Welcome to the East Main Media Podcast, a series of conversations featuring leaders in a variety of subjects, including business, politics, media, and the arts. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com forward slash podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. For more information, visit jlc-accounting.com. That's jlc-accounting.com. Now here's your host, Brian Brodor. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with actor, writer, producer, Alex Aldea. Before I get ahead of myself, sure. there's so much to unpack here. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about your coming to the United States mm-hmm. and how or if you think that has informed your acting, you mm-hmm. know, because you mentioned your perception of Magnum P.I., right? Sure. For example, like when I think Magnum P.I., I think the chopper, I think Tom Selleck, I mm-hmm. think the Ferrari and, you know, something like the Ferrari, that's universal, flying a helicopter around Hawaii. It's a universal thing. Hawaii almost seems like another land to anybody, sure. you know? How do you think immigrating to the U.S., how does that affect your acting, you know, or does it? Oh, undoubtedly, um, it does. Before I'd come, it's just a But you came here young. I was seven when I came, but lots of memories of growing up there. Just a brief history lesson to offer context. Uh, Ceausescu at that point, the dictator of Romania, had decided that he was going to get rid of the national debt. So in order to do that, he exported everything that Romania made out of Romania to bring in capital to defray the national debt. He starved his own people. Uh, there were bread lines, there were milk lines, there were meat lines. My grandparents would get up at 2, 3 in the morning to go sit for hours on the milk line or on the bread line. To Now, you know, they turn it, of course, as people do because they try to make the best of a bad situation into a time to reconnect with your neighbors while you're sitting online and things of that nature. But who wants to be up at two or three in the morning on a milk line? And you well, find the effect was the, the country was collapsing. Yes. And absolutely. he eventually was publicly killed. Yes. Yeah. On Christmas taken yes, out and shot. A, yes. Him and, and his wife. Filmed. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Him and his December wife. 25th, 1989. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Um, but now uh, this happens. What's that timing for you coming here? I was in the United States five years by that point. Got it. I came in 1984, right. uh, around February or so. And I, I'll never forget it. I, I, we came into Kennedy and it was a, it was a snowy day. Um, I hadn't seen my parents in two and a half years. Um, they came in 1981. Oh, because they were and, here. Yes. Oh, yeah. So they came here to kind of lay the groundwork, and the Romanian government being what it was, it didn't want to release us in hopes that it would bring them back. Uh, it would force them to return. Sure. They kept the faith, but again, you know, what does that do to a kid to not see his parents for two and a half years? At that uh, age, too. My, my yeah. sister and I both, she, I have a sister who's a year and a half younger than me, and she's wonderful. She has two little a niece and a nephew, which I treasure. So I was without them and all the pieces of psychology and other things that that brings to bear that I use in my acting. Hmm. Um, and so leaving and getting that privation that was in Romania at that time where you had nothing. I mean, you know, you had a jacket, you had shoes, and you had a thing. Coming to America where, and they did this sort of on purpose for us to, as a welcome, 
where we walked into this little house that they were renting in Lodi, and the entire house was sprawled out with candy and toys and 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 sweets and fruit and everything. They had cable TV with like this cable box that you could move back and forth and get more than one channel. The other one being a Bulgarian, and and so it, it, to to have that experience as a child, and then the next morning they took me to Wonder of Wonders, Acme. <laughs> because Acme was, and I don't know if you ever saw uh, and, Moscow and, and the Hudson. You're speaking of the grocery store. The grocery right, store. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you ever saw Moscow and the Hudson with Robin Williams, where he goes to the grocery store and he has, in essence, a panic attack when he sees how much coffee is in the coffee aisle. He was just looking for coffee, and he sees 5,000 brands of coffee, right. and he freaks out, overloads, and faints. Um, I felt something the same. For me, forever, Chiquita Bananas and Tropicana Orange Juice will always signify America because whenever I drink it or smell it or something, it takes me back to that initial day, which was an absolute paradise on earth um, for a kid coming out of, a, you know, not a war-torn place, but certainly a place of privation and loss. Sure. So, yeah. So that informs my acting in many ways. I'm still bilingual so I, I speak Romanian to my parents and they approach things even though they've been here longer than I have you know coming here as adults they have a lot more of the experiences of growing up in communism than I do of course so a lot of the stories and a lot of the things that I have I also have from them aside from my own smaller personal experiences because when you're a kid you're sheltered from a lot of the bad part of life you yeah. know and if you, and have and you don't parents. have any perspective or, or context for things that are going on either no, but you do hear, and we had neighbors that would oftentimes be coerced or stuff to, you always have to watch what you said because you didn't know who was working for the Securitate, which was the secret police. And, you know, I'm not going to say I have firsthand experience of people disappearing, but everybody had some kind of experience of people that said things, did things, and then were no longer heard from again. Yeah, it was a real so, intangible thing. In, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was just the zeitgeist of the time. So... Let me connect this through a little bit. Sure. So acting, reading lines from a page, mm -hmm. right? And hopefully memorizing them. Well, <laughs> right, but being a conduit, sure. right, for yes. a character. Yes. Versus the other part of creation, which is the writing and producing, which I know is a strong element of what you do as well. Yes. You know, and you have that drive. Thank you. How do you feel that part, meaning the writing and the producing, the ideation, right, the idea mm -hmm. creation, is that informed by your coming here as well? You know, because you have those experiences, a different perspective. You know, I think of 1984. I wasn't flying into JFK. You know, I was wondering if the Jacksons tour was going to come <laughs> to my neighborhood, you know. <laughs> and, and the 80s is a particular time, mm -hmm. was a particular time. Sure. Does that show up in your work as well, you know, in your creative work? Absolutely. I just got together in L.A. with a friend of mine named Michael McGlone, who's a wonderful actor. He's been around long. He did The Brothers McMullen with mm -hmm. Ed Burns. He's been, uh, he just did a recent Geico commercial and a bunch of other stuff. He has his own series coming out called Kenny the Gun. So watch out for that. That's wow. going to hit TV's. Uh, he's in talks right now with that. But he, he looked at my work and he said, hey, you're doing the light part of it, quote unquote, the coming from the light, the good guy pieces excellently well, the comedy excellently well, really believable. I love it. I love to see that. He goes, take a look at the darker stuff a little bit. And we were talking through kind of what that meant is, you know, 
people have a good part and a bad part, a light side and a dark side, if you want to think of it that way, without labeling it necessarily. But And an actor needs to have both in order to really be great at his craft. And, of course, as actors, we're always working on that. But when it comes to the darker pieces of stuff, yeah, of course I use my background, absolutely. There's a lot of good and bad that happen to people, and in 40 years of life, you encounter a lot. I encounter a lot. I also use that from my legal background. I also use Hmm. it from my corporate background. Let me catch up on my notes here. Sure. So, Pope, that had a very successful run, and you certainly were noticeable in the show, meaning that Martin Luther just didn't walk on and off screen. I mean, it was serious screen time. Also, the dramatization of it was eye-catching is the way I want to say it. You know, sure. it, was, it was stylized, and there was a lot of emotion and drama in those scenes. So that was a, a good opportunity. Do you feel that that gives you a calling card? Is that, did that open doors for you? I believe it absolutely did on a lot of levels. Was it a direct, hey, let's throw you a bunch of big parts now that you've done that? No, at least not to date. But ultimately, I think that it's gotten my name out there in a very different and interesting way because... This type of programming is not typical. I mean, even among uh, even among the documentary-style programming, it's not typical. And the way that it was received is not typical, even for documentary-style programming. And so to be honored enough to be... That's why I am honored, very proud of that show and my performance in it, because it really put me on the map in a primetime way. And now leading to, I think, now my potential role on Mindhunter and other things that are developing at this point, including some really, really good talks I've been having with my mentor, Eric Bross, about potentially appearing in some of his future productions, So, which were to be on the feature level. So that I'm very happy about that. What's interesting is we're talking about TV work mm-hmm. and feature work, some shorts work. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, producing, writing, acting. Now, all of these areas, they, in a way, they used to not overlap. Yes. And now, due to platform changes, there's over the top, there's uh, diversity. And I mean, even just in the last weeks of mergers that we're all watching, AT&T, Time Warner, those opportunities start overlapping a little bit. So, speaking of Eric, Now, why you flew in on the red eyes, you were just out in Los Angeles. I was. Which is funny because it can sound like the cliche, well, I just flew in from L.A., right? (laughs) But all of us were tracking what you were doing out there. You were hanging out with Eric. Eric directed the piece Affairs of State. Now, you were there for the premiere, right? I was. So Eric Bross is the director of Affairs of State. Tom Cudworth is the writer of Affairs of State. It had a wonderful star-studded cast, an ensemble cast, really, I would say. David Cornsweat, who was the technical lead yeah. of it, and he did an amazing tour de force performance, is now out of Juilliard and is just hitting the ground running on all levels. David James Elliott, who was in uh, JAG, he played Harmon Rab in JAG and has done many other things, is a pro, an absolute consummate pro. Mimi Rogers, Thora Birch. Oh, no kidding. Um, absolutely. And to top it all off, Adrian Grenier from Entourage mm-hmm. came on to play the, in essence, bad guy role. He's the behind-the-scenes strategist of the campaign. Cool. So it's a political thriller. One could be said slightly into the horror genre and very, very interesting, gripping in the 1970s, uh, all the president's men 
kind of style. Love it. It was just a, a lot of fun to be around, to be at the premiere. I was not in the movie. Let me just say that. Fair but enough. You, I, were, you were visiting. You were attending the premiere. I, I was attending the premiere. Both Eric and Tom are personal and wonderful friends. And but you I, guys are talking about doing stuff soon together, right? I, I'm very much hoping. We got a lot of great talking on that while I was out there. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about that. You know what I would <laughs> like to, to ask you? I'd sure. like our listeners to hear about. Walk me through what going to a premiere at the Egyptian theater, right? Mm -hmm. Walk me through what that's like. Sure. The idea is that you invite the folks that you love to be a part of this extravaganza with you. They show up en masse. Mm -hmm. I think they filled the 600-person auditorium to capacity. You show up, and there's a red carpet. The red carpet is gorgeous and it has a, a large backdrop with name affairs of state the step and repeat tattooed. as people call it right yes yeah. absolutely and there's wonderful opportunity to get your picture taken there which we saw yes. which which you were attending with a guest with Carissa my yeah. friend Carissa Marsden and she is absolutely wonderful she's an actor herself having been based in LA for about a year and a half she's an award-winning actor uh, on the festival circuit back in New York and New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, she made the big move out there and has been finding a lot of success. So now, she's also a competitive archer, by the way, which is a lot of fun and very interesting. I didn't know that was a thing, but it is, and it's awesome. And probably not easy to do. Oh, no, absolutely not. You, get, you should see her on her Facebook page with her compound bow, and it was wow, just, cool. it's pretty awesome. So as you prepare for this, you show up at the red carpet, there's photographers, etc., mm -hmm. which is how... We saw you because the Getty Images posted. Yes. So boom, affairs of state, red carpet, and there you are, you know, arm in arm with with your date and uh, <laughs> walking in the front door of the red carpet. So now, so what happens? Do they do a Q&A? Like they absolutely do. So you walk in, you get your popcorn and your what have you. Enter the theater, you find your spot. It's usually cordoned off based on who the folks are. There's some VIP seating. There's some other places for folks. And you come in, you watch the movie. Uh, the entirety, and then there is a Q&A. There was a great interviewer named Alex Simon who conducted the Q&A interview afterwards. He's wonderful. He has his own show. Yeah, um, yeah it rings but, a bell, actually. Yeah, yeah. he interviews A-listers regularly, so very, very good stuff. Um, and then, yes, the Q&A, so Tom got to speak. David was up there. Uh, so was Eric. The producers, Michelle Amar, who's one of the producers, and a couple of other folks, Horacio, who is the cinematographer, and he's worked with Eric and Tom in the past. So they're just a wonderful, wonderful team that have done great work all the way back to when Eric, Tom, and Horacio did Ten Benny and Restaurant, which both had a different Adrian who happened to have won an Oscar for The Pianist. Yeah, yes. Mr. Brody. And Mr. Yeah. Adrian Brody. Wow. And so that was uh, he was in both of those, and those were shot locally around here. Yeah, I thought they were, they were East Coast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tom wrote those about a lot of personal experiences of him and Eric kind of growing up together in this area. So Cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We'll be right back to the conversation after this brief message from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting. Bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. For more information, visit jlc-accounting.com. That's jlc-accounting.com. What's next for you? What's going on? What do you see coming down the road? There's so many options. TV seems to be blowing up right now, and I'm very, very thankful for yeah. that. I so, mean, the Mindhunter opportunity seems 
pretty good. Thank you for that. From your lips to God's ears. And let's see how that pans out. It's certainly not a done deal by any stretch, but they wanted me to read several parts for the show. So hopefully that means that they're trying to find a good spot for me. And auditions keep coming in. I would be very interested in doing more feature work because I love the journey that you go on when you make a movie, which is really, really an amazing journey to go from start to finish. A friend recently said that movie making is the last great manufacturing that happens in America because you can take a movie from total concept to total production and it all happens in America and it's our product we put it out to the world and even folks across the world that may not like our politics or may not like our particular agenda at whatever moment in time, what have you, they love our movies. They always love our movies. And our movies and our TV shows span the world and show the dream that is America to the entire globe. Mm -hmm. So that's something I love to be a part of, and I love to tell stories. I have two questions for you. Sure. Um, I wanted to touch on your work in the community, mm -hmm. because you mentioned earlier about uh, being a Masonic yes. member, right? Sure. And I think I originally met you through our work in the community. Yes. Give me a little list of well, the things you're involved in and your passion projects, but also tell me why. Why is it important to you? I'm a, an amateur historian myself. Before I started getting into acting, I have a bachelor's in world politics. I have a master's in international relations and the law degree. So all of that happened before acting. Yeah. Um, and wow. so it led to a real love of history. I was originally scheduled to be a diplomat in this lifetime, but somehow that didn't end up working out. <laughs> um, through when, Where did that come up? I mean, you know. um, I, I took the foreign service exam twice yeah. and let's say Uncle Sam wasn't looking for me. And so they had other folks hmm. and other thoughts in mind. I'm a little bit more of an outside-the-box thinker, and I don't think that's what they needed at that current moment in time. Now, when you say diplomat, mm -hmm. do, do you mean CIA? Uh, ooh. <laughs> um, mm. You know, was that the path, the, or, or it, was this embassy-bound no, ambassador LDA? Yeah, it, it was... It, well, see, it's very interesting that you bring that up because yeah. being an ambassador is mostly an appointed position, right. usually a politically appointed position. Uh, it's rare that you'll find a lifelong career diplomat being put into an ambassadorial track. Mostly what you get is the head of mission or head of consulate, something like that, and then the ambassador comes in and... Uh, for other reasons. They're more the, that figurehead of the, the area. Sure. And they carry the torch. And, you know, as we saw around the world, that can often be a very dangerous thing, even for someone who isn't a career diplomat. Sure. But I did my foreign service exam, so my idea was career diplomacy. I was going to go to do that track and wasn't in the cards, at least not at that point. I do hope at some point in the future, maybe post-acting, who knows, uh, or concurrent with it, I still have thoughts about doing things, maybe being an ambassador through UNICEF or other such very, very good organizations, working with the Commission on Human Rights, working with Amnesty. Those are always things that are very close to my heart. So the idea of human rights around the world is very close to my heart. And, of course, you and I bumped into each other at the Oh, yes, the local Grover, scene. Yeah, the local scene, uh, specifically the Grover Cleveland birthplace. Correct. In my hometown of Caldwell, or my recent hometown of Caldwell, where I've lived in the past few years, Grover Cleveland happened to be born there. It's the only president born in New Jersey, and he's born in my hometown. So I joined the Grover Cleveland Birthplace Memorial Association, and I met a lot of wonderful people, including a lot yourself. Of, a lot of good folks there, including big shout out to 
Alice Gibson. Alice Gibson, absolutely. Alice Gibson. A very, very, very close friend of mine. Lovely lady. Uh, a, a mentor on so many levels for me and uh, a person that we both know and like very, very much. Yep. And they are building their visitor center currently over there to try to accommodate a larger touristic bandwidth, sure. uh, so to speak, while folks are there. And it's the only presidential site in New Jersey. And uh, honestly, it could and should get more attention from the state. It's Very wrong. historic president, the Absolutely. 22nd and 24th president. The only president to serve two terms, but non-consecutively. Non-consecutive terms. Yeah, very interesting. Takes me back to my haircut extravaganza. Non-consecutive days of filming. Yes, we see how those <laughs> things tend to work out. But yeah. an amazing president on a lot of levels. Had one of the few White House weddings. That's right. And I think the birthplace crew is doing an inauguration coming up soon, a sort of a mock they inauguration, heard, yeah. where the great-grandson of Grover Cleveland will be playing Grover Cleveland. And so that's a very interesting thing. Sure. And folks asked me, did you prepare for the Martin Luther role? And I said, I did, but I kind of already knew a lot about him. And that's just because I love history and just being part of that, understanding that living history of our world and especially more in the European history, that's more my passion, understanding and getting the background of a lot of that. So, yeah, I did, of course, research the role, but not as extensively as may otherwise have been the case. Well, you know, a, a theme that has popped up in our podcasting has been curiosity, mm -hmm. you know, and people who are curious about the world and that certainly fits exactly what you're talking about. You know, your achievements and your education and the path that was leading in one direction at one point, these things inform your acting. And, Absolutely. and that's fascinating to me. My last question for you is this. Pretend there's a phone in front of you, right? Okay. And so you phone rings, you pick it up, you have a conversation, you hang it up, right? Mm -hmm. The person that you just talked to just solved the or one of the biggest problems for you. Who was on the phone and what was that problem that they solved? <laughs> wow, that's interesting. So coming back from L.A., one of the problems that gets repeatedly brought up and was brought up to my attention in several of the scripts of not only what other people are doing, but one script that I'm taking all about Rita and I want to do something with it. I'm not exactly sure what, whether it's a web series or a feature or something else, is funding. And funding is a huge not an issue necessarily because I think it can be solved and is solved, but it's something that every producer is always on the hunt for. Where are the dollars to fuel this production model, to fuel this industry? Where are they? How can they be tapped? Who has the interest to come out and have a story told that will span the test of time, hopefully, will receive the accolades that it deserves, hopefully, and will maybe turn a profit? And that would be also a very nice thing. And oftentimes the, the movie models do just that. They do turn a very nice profit, especially on the feature tip. And uh, more recently, I think on the web series and, and that front as well, because that can be monetized. But yeah, solving the funding goals, getting the money in, either your money, if it's a passion project, or other folks that are willing to tack on and say, hey, I am not a writer. I'm not an actor. I'm not a director. How can I be a part of this wonderful milieu and wonderful I'm just throwing out a whole bunch of big words here but yeah. gestalt but this of, journey, of the movie making right? the journey yeah. of the movie how can I have my own hero's journey well part of that is hey can you help us with a couple of bucks to make this thing and oftentimes it's more than a couple of bucks but it's the ability to keep the fuel that gets this thing moving along 
Well, speaking of connecting with funding, mm -hmm. there may be listeners out there that want to <laughs> get involved. How can people get in touch with you and find out more about you, website, social media? Sure. My full name is Alexandru Aldea. It's the Romanian version of Alexander. So you better spell that for me. A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-U. My last name is Aldea, A-L-D-E-A. But you can get me on alexaldea.com. That's my main website. It leads to all of my social media as well. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I do tweet from time to time. And it's something I try to do more of because I love chatting with fans. I love chatting with folks who want to know more. I get a lot of questions about, hey, you're an actor. How can I be an actor? How can I start my journey? And it's great to chat with folks. It's great to mentor folks on that journey yeah. because others have done it for me, and I try to give back whenever I can. We know you as an enthusiastic social media user, and we see you on Facebook a lot, and and that's good. I mean, my team certainly connect with you whenever possible. Absolutely. And so and we I, see you out there. And I people... love to retweet you guys because everything that you do here is magic. Oh, geez. And it's not just because he's in the room, guys. It's not just because he's in the room. He's just, <laughs> he has that incredible magnetism and the oh, amount of I'm work. magnetic? You're magnetic. Jeez. Oh, but, you know, not in the repulsive sense, in the attractive sense. Oh, I was going to yes, say, absolutely. yeah. You know, maybe. Uh, but everything that they do at East Main Media and ACM Studios is just an amazing, amazing thing. Well, but thank you. I absolutely. appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I just like getting in the room here and having these interesting conversations. <laughs> hey, if I can do that, that's fine by me. Well, I listened to Dave Schoners, and that was great. He's a friend and, and the yeah. film commissioner of New Jersey. And yeah. there's a lot of wonderful things happening in local and New Jersey filmmaking right now. Phil Murphy has a bill that's getting kicked around the government, the local government, the state level, for, I think, a half a billion dollars over five years in terms of yep. uh, tax, tax credits and, yeah. and, and, and incentives to bring folks into New Jersey, the birthplace of film, to do just that, to make movies here. And I am a huge proponent of that and would like to do everything possible to get that accomplished. I think it's uniformly acknowledged that it was a mistake not to have that in place in recent years. Sure. And it's money lost. Yes. You know, it's investment that will happen if the incentive is in place. Absolutely. And so I'm optimistic in saying it's if not when mm -hmm. it will happen. And that kind of economic boost will help people like you and me. And Absolutely. we'll actually really see it. And we'll work and we'll create jobs. And that's where this is all going. Can't so wait. you are going to keep working. I know that. Yes, sir. So, Thank you for joining me. Thank and, you for having uh, me. We'll see you next time. Next time we'll have you here, it'll be all about the new projects you're doing. Thank you so much for everything, for the opportunity, and I greatly look forward to hearing this podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by JLC Accounting, bookkeeping, accounting, tax preparation, and advisory. For more information, visit jlc-accounting.com. That's jlc-accounting.com. This has been a production of East Main Media, hosted by Brian Brodeur. Special thanks to associate producer Morgan Taylor, audio engineer J.P. Conk, senior producer Kayla Galka. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a good rating. For more information, visit eastmainmedia.com. And thank you for listening.